and welcome to Challenging Behaviours, the podcast that challenges your behaviours, my behaviours, our behaviours, yeah. in society. Today, still doesn't know it. <laughs> still does not know it. Uh, I am Jack. This is not Jack. He's nodding. He's nodding. Still. How I get referred Doesn't to know the Twitter. intro. I might, I might genuinely have to change my Twitter handle so people can find me. I keep seeing tweets from people who listen to the podcast and they're like... Saying hashtag oh, not Jack. <laughs> hashtag not Jack. Wow. We just had we, a chat. Yeah, we just had a chat with a man named Gavin Neat, who is the... I don't know CEO is the right word. Founder, he, I guess. The, 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 the yeah, name? I'm going to quickly see if he says but it He's the man. He's the man from yeah. Neatbox. Neat. Neat, neat box. No, 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 neat box. Um, N e a t e b o x. Yeah. So, um, and they've yeah. come up with a few different, two different apps, which we mainly talked about, which are all about uh, accessibility and inclusion. And it was a really great chat, and we had we learned quite a quite a lot from it. Um, it was, um, you may be able to tell we're not very business minded, <laughs> and it was really unexpected because. I read about the app on their website and it was great. And I was like, this is really awesome. But actually you'll see when you listen, but like his enthusiasm and his knowledge of his product and, and what, and the, and of the needs of people who use, who access the product just made me like, I feel like I've, I feel like I own the app and I don't yet. You know what I, mean? like, I feel like I've. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's clearly very passionate. Um, and it's one of those things, as I think is often the case, is a lot of the solutions are very simple <laughs> and should be happening already. But don't. But it's you know it's good that we have people like Gavin who are out there trying to do that sort of thing. So enjoy. Okay. Just, just before we, I guess the two apps we should name. Oh well, yeah. So there's Button and Welcome. So, but if you search for them on the whatever oh, app store you use. Yeah, it's button by Neatbox or welcome by Neatbox. So if you're searching for it, you have to put by Neatbox. But he says that in the episode and we'll probably say it again at the end on the other side, which is the place where we will see you. So enjoy or don't do what you want. yourself to stop or take a break or go to the toilet or have a cup of tea <laughs> uh, i think that's a pretty good like uh thing to fade in on that's how it tends to work fade man it's fade. Uh, so yeah we have a fantastic guest with us today would you like to introduce yourself uh, i might as well uh, yeah, it'd be very handy if you did uh, so, but you asked me a question and i i guarantee i will then talk for half an hour so you that's good in there as soon as you, yeah if there's a gap to do <laughs> if I look like I'm breathing, get in there. Okay. Um, so, guys, it's an absolute pleasure to be on on uh, Challenge Behaviors. But um, my name is Gavin Neat. I was. I'm now an entrepreneur, businessman. I never wanted to be. Had no intention of being. Um, I was quite happy and set in my previous job. 
Uh, I was a guide dog mobility instructor for Guide Dogs for the Blind. I did it for 18 years. I did that after 10 years in the military as a police dog handler. Um, but I joined Guide Dogs and I was like, wow, I could train people how to use Guide Dogs. Yes, the dogs were great, but it was the people I was interested in. Mm. Um, and I did it for 18 years and absolutely loved it. It's, it was the best job in the world. I was training maybe six people a year with their guide dogs. And uh, you would get this amazing day when the person, after the person had qualified, maybe two or three weeks after then, where you would wave goodbye and off they would go down the street on their own with their amazing new mobility aid. And you, yeah, they're on their own. Fantastic. It's like being, I always equated it to being Lewis Hamilton's pit crew. You're getting the tires on, you're fixing the fuel, you're making sure that his visor's clean. And then away he goes, yeah. but you're the one that's facilitating and being able to do that. And I think that's a very, everybody, if they're lucky in their life, they, they go towards this job that they're suited to. And I was not suited to be the Lewis Hamilton. I was suited to be the, the person who could help that person. Mm. That said, when you do the stuff that I've done, the, the inventive stuff, um, you actually find yourself in the Lewis Hamilton position, but from a different perspective. Uh, so yeah i'm providing services for people well it's got to be the person who runs the pit crew as it were that makes sense yes yes i'll take that i'll take that i'm I'm the guy who runs the pit crew that's brilliant because i don't know how to change a tire so or so social media i okay you get to tell it you're good at telling other people uh (laughs) no no the, the secret is to surround yourself with people who don't need to be told yeah and that's what i've done i've got people that tell me what they've done or maybe what they're going to do, but they don't need guidance on how to do it because they know how to do it and they know I trust them to do it. Uh, so they just get on and do it. And I equated it to um, the team that I've got around me. I equated it to Toy Story. You know, the whole gang that they have in Toy Story, right? Yeah. The first one, there's, there's about 12 characters in that, but you've got Woody and Buzz and then you've got eventually Bo Peep. You've got Slinky Dog and you've got T-Rex and you've got uh, Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head and all those other characters. Um, and I... I've always been a bit of a Buzz Lightyear, uh, which is the activist who just, who, oh, there's a burning building, I'll run in. Uh, and that's great, but sooner or later, the building collapses on you. You need the Woody character, who's the, who's the character who said, right, who's got their moving buddy, who's got this, who's got that, who's etch-a-sketch what you're doing, who, who right, what, does this microphone work, and then starts organizing stuff. Uh, and that kind of, I'm sure that's exactly what um, Lasseter was doing when he did it. it. He kind of made a gang where separate, they didn't work well, but together they worked really well. And I kind of feel that, that what, that's what I've got around me. Uh, Buzz can do all those things because he's got amazing people who'll dig him out when he gets into loads of trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where that went. That went in loads <laughs> of directions. I was just going to ask if you have been turned Spanish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that happened during the process. Uh, no, no, I don't have a switch for languages. Um, oh. So no, I yeah. I, it would be yeah. useful if you go global. Um, <laughs> you have some sort of language. Well, we were. I was talking to Caro yesterday, Carolina, who is our um, operations manager, uh, and uh, she was she was doing some training with Visit Scotland. So Visit Scotland are just about to launch the stuff that I'll tell you about in a minute. But Visit Scotland were just about to launch, and they needed to have staff members trained. And Caro turned up. Caro's from Chile, or Chile, and she was uh, talking to the guys. There was nine of them in the room, and they all spoke spoke Spanish. Uh, and she was like, "Oh, brilliant! I'm from Chile. I speak Spanish." So they were all like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And I said to Caro afterwards when I met her yesterday, I said, "Right, so in the in the actual company, we've got three languages. Uh, so we've got." English, German, and Spanish out of three of us, which is brilliant. 
Sadly, when you look at it in any detail, you realise that Caro's the one with the three languages. <laughs> Me and Alan have only got English. So you can say, yeah, multi, multinational company. As well as Caro that. stays, if Caro stays with Screw, <laughs> or she goes with Screw. <laughs> now, you very, uh, I've actually used the word seductively, seductively teased. Oh, uh, you're ready. <laughs> I can't remember what I just said. I've never, yeah, I've never been called seductive before. Uh, <laughs> that's part of the Spanish buzz as well. <laughs> um, a Spanish buzz sounds like it could be. It was very cool, yeah. I did do salsa, but rubbish. <laughs> I'm British. I'm too British to salsa. Um, uh, a, a particular product, project, I don't know what word you'd use. We're not businessy men. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm, um, I'm, I'm so glad to be chatting that, to you guys. That is, um, that is, is it, um, is it your focus at the moment? I don't know. Is it your... Yeah, well, so I, I better tell you the evolution. Um, yes, because people are going, well, guide dog mobility instructor and now businessman. How the hell did that happen? Well, I, I joined guide dogs in 96. It was a three-year apprenticeship, and I think during that time, the first PCs were coming out. Uh, certainly mobile phones weren't. I mean, you had these big, massive brick of mobile phone at that point, but um, Palm Pilots were things that people had. But um, it wasn't until mm, 2001 that I started getting involved in a project, a GPS project, and they had things like the mobile phone. Mine's massive because it's got loads of stuff in it. But they had a piece of kit on here, which was the GPS. And they had a piece of kit on here, which was a, was a speaker. And then it was attached to a Palm Pilot, which was more like a laptop on the person's waist. But that visually impaired person could navigate around the streets and use GPS to do it. And that never really could, took uh, caught on, but that was an early stage. But I started getting interested in tech. And then I really got interested in tech when somebody turned up to train with a guide dog one day and they had the iPhone 2S, I think it was, and it had voiceover on it. And their phone was chatting away to them. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And then I guess over the next four or five years, I just started, well, I started doing tech talks on my classes, but they were more, not so much me talking about technology. It was my clients turning up to train with their guide dogs and they would have a bit of kit, like their laptop would speak to them or they'd talk about banking or they'd talk about their new Panasonic TV or Philips TV that was, was doing things for them. But mainly it was around mobile phones and games and communication. And then I just started thinking, I even bought myself an iPhone at that point, probably 2008, I got my first iPhone, maybe seven. Um, I just thought, well, I wonder how I could use the phone to help with some of the problems my clients were having. Uh, and that, that isn't what came first. Actually, the problem came first. And the problem was, if you are visually impaired and you get to a curb edge, uh, and you know where you are, and you're on the tactile paving, the sort of pink salmon-colored covered paving, and you can feel where you are, and you're there, and you, you know where straight line is, and you know the cars are going backwards and forwards, and you're thinking, well, I know where I am at this point. At that point, you then have to find the button. And you go, well, where's the button? Well, <laughs> here's my living room. You can see there's a pedestrian crossing button right there, because everybody's got one of those in the house, obviously. So I've, I've got one in my house, and that was one that I started working with. But if you just stay there for a second. This was me um, pointing out how hard it was for somebody, there's a photograph here of me on the back of a book, um, standing in between a guide dog owner and a pedestrian crossing. And the person couldn't get to the pole without losing their orientation because the pole was placed in the wrong place. And I spent, I don't know, five years just taking photographs of badly placed pedestrian crossings. 
And everywhere I went, I would see these pedestrian crossings and go, why is it being placed there? What's, why has an installer done that? But the more I got uh, involved in it, the more I realized this wasn't just a problem for visually impaired people. And here's a chap who was stuck in the middle of a road in, on his mobility scooter, unable to press the button, just waiting for somebody else to press the button for him or looking to see if it's clear and then going. And that's actually one of the most dangerous things you can do because at a pedestrian crossing, the driver isn't looking to see if there's somebody standing waiting to cross the road. They're looking at the light to see if it's green or red. So it's actually more dangerous to cross at a pedestrian crossing if you're not using the button. Yeah. And, and, and I got thinking about this and I thought, well, how the hell, why do they keep putting it in the wrong place? It's always at the periphery. Why is it not in the middle of the tactile paving? And then I just thought, well, wouldn't it be good if, or I wonder if the mobile phone could press the button for me? And lo and behold, by 2011, I, at the time, had invented the world's first pedestrian crossing operated by smartphones. Wow. Um, and now you have an app on your phone. Um, it's called Button. Um, got it here. This is actually, this is a, uh, we're just about to update it. So this is Button. And location permission enable. So okay, right. So when you when you get it running, it looks for pedestrian crossings, and when it finds a pedestrian crossing, if you stand at that pedestrian crossing for five ten seconds, it will press the button for you. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah that, that even happened. Like, about <laughs> yeah, is that is that something in the box as well? Is yeah. Something? So we install a small piece of kit inside the box, and this is a beacon, and I'll show you one of these later. This is an eye beacon, but. Basically, the kit that's in here is tiny, but what we did is we put it onto a PCB. We, um, we actually then installed that into the pedestrian crossing, and then when the phone gets close to it, I mean, that's, that's what a beacon looks like. It's just a tiny PCB with some batteries attached to it. What we do is we actually attach it within the crossing um, without the batteries attached because we power it from the crossing. Um, but that basically meant that that's sending out a signal and then when your phone gets close to that, when it recognizes the crossing, it can wait a few seconds and then press the button for you. And it meant that somebody in a wheelchair who had never pressed the button before, and you might have a chance to play the video, which I'll send you later, but um, they could get to a crossing and they could cross without ever having to ask somebody else to press the button. Now, the videos that you might be able to show or have shown um, is of two chaps who've never pressed a button, but who play power chair football, who are all, they both got degrees, one in chemistry, one in physics. Um, and they were able to cross the road for the first time without having to press the button themselves. And you go, that's invention. Uh, yeah. And I was in Guide Dogs 2012. I was like, well, I've, de I've designed and developed and invented this. How long can I shout about it with nobody taking any interest? Because it's truly disruptive yeah. um, to change stuff like this. It's as disruptive as, as cars without drivers in. Um, and then eventually... I realized I had to leave guide dogs. So by 2015, I'd left guide dogs um, and took, started this company up on my own. By 2018, I then was able to pay myself. So I did three years with no pay at all, which was a bit of a challenge. But these are the things you have to do when you want to do something totally disruptive like uh, or inventive, like change how people press buttons at pedestrian crossings. Yeah. So just before we move on to um, the stuff New, uh, yeah project um i'm, I'm yeah. really interested in terms of getting it installed mm. how that process went like yeah well um it's very disruptive. Truly disruptive i like the term disruptive in terms of 
of installing these things but i also think it, you're coming at it from such an angle of like this is so important as you say it's giving people essentially freedom to be mobile yeah and it's considered a disruption That's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Madness, but, but you talk about you talk to a hotel before airbnb came along and you talk to a taxi company before um uber came along and you ask them if they want somebody to come up with this idea they'll say no if they were in charge of whether the idea existed or not, it would never exist. It's like asking petrol companies if they want electric vehicles to exist. Yeah. But if you look at hotels and taxis now, they've changed how they, de- they deliver their services because of what Uber and Airbnb did. They've changed booking, they've changed the receiving, they've changed how they interact. Yeah. Everything changed. It, it was invigorated because of it. But initially, nobody wants it. Now, at the start, I was coming at the transport industry totally from the outside. Nobody wanted me to do this. They didn't want a pedestrian to be able to press a button in that way and control traffic in that way. Although it's stupid because all we did was press the button. Yeah, That's all we're doing. Not doing anything different from anything else. But they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have mobile phones controlling pedestrian crossings? Since then, we've now got people talking about, well, it's been the last few years, talking about having cars without drivers in, for God's sake. So look, we're in a situation now where we've now installed it in a town up here in Scotland. We're just about to install it in another town. We've got individual crossings being launched all over the country. Every now and again, we get more people telling us they want a crossing. And that's the secret here is, and this, and this sort of answers your question a little bit, Tom, was that um, it's the disabled person that says they want it. And when, when you have one disabled person saying, I really want this, it's very easy to be ignored, although less easy than it was in the past. Now social media can get you out there. But if you had 10,000 people saying, this pedestrian crossing is dangerous, you need to install this, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. And it's the same for the other stuff that we do. It's going to happen. And that's because of the spending power of disabled people and their awareness and their conversations on social media mean that they are a force to be reckoned with. 20% of the world's population, 1.3 billion people are disabled. 274 billion pounds a year of spending power in the UK alone, 8 trillion pounds of spending power in the world. You can't ignore that. It's the only thing we've ever had as a problem is getting disabled people together to be a force together. And we kind of, I'm not, I don't have, I'm not down on charities. I love what charities do. A lot of what charities do is great. However, charities have separated disabilities. So you have, a particular charity shouting for their need of the needs of their uh, stakeholders. And you have another charity shouting for the needs of their stakeholders. And that's written into their, in their um, uh, modus operandi. That's what they have to do. But by separating, we end up splitting everybody yeah. and the, the voice is not as strong. But yeah. when you, everybody has the same voice, that's when you can change the world. Sorry, we were actually talking about that um, just before you came, joined us on the zoom call. Um, and we're talking about how, like, so I have dyspraxia, so I in, I'm kind of part of the disabled community, but at the same time, I'm an ally to those who have different, um, yeah, you have to be, don't you? Yeah. You have to be, and it's a problem that we um, don't. Yeah. And part of the, you know, the things I kind of struggle with most, um, when like I'm on our like Twitter feed is seeing like all the kind of like i don't like using this word and i've used it before infighting because there's so many people so many different needs and some of those needs can sometimes kind of conflict with each other and it it really is you know everyone is saying they want like 
they want inclusive uh, inclusivity and um you know inclusion and stuff but that looks different to so many different people and you know the thing they they people often say um you know ah, people don't understand my experience so they they don't understand why i need this is exactly then the reason when someone else is saying um <laughs> a different uh, problem they've had they they don't then it's all me 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 it's all me 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 and we have if we're going to progress we need to start think of you 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 now i'm not disabled yet um i i'm getting older my eyesight's not as good as it used to be my hearing uh has been tested recently and it looks like i might need some hearing aids uh or could use them not need them i could use them they will enhance my hearing it's not you need them because that need is a is a nightmare scenario Mm. but um because that's what separates people you need that because you're disabled well we this disability like autism is a, is a massive spectrum uh, you you go from being 19 year old and unbreakable to being 45 year old and going well my knees are a little bit shot yeah and then and 10 years later the, yeah it's one of the minorities that anyone can become a part of at any time i love i, I talked about that recently so it's really great that you added that because of all the minorities this is the largest one yeah. In fact, it's a minority that everybody's going to be a member of. Now, if that's a minority, well, then we need to redefine the world, word minority yeah. because I'm white. There's a very little chance I'm going to be black by the time I'm 80, but I'm not disabled, but there's a very good chance that I am going to be disabled. So I, I, I started a, a presentation recently and I said, right, guys, I've got bad news and I've got good news. Well, I've got, it's bad news. It's all bad news. You're either going to be one of two things in your life. You're going to be disabled or dead. Uh, and you're going to be disabled um, because a period of your life is going to be being less able to do things. And you're going to find it difficult to do those things because society hasn't designed them to be easy for you. So that you're going to be disabled by what you come into contact with stairs, whatever it might be, interactions, uh, lack of education. But if you get hit by a bus or have a heart attack and go straight from being really fit and healthy to dead, you're never going to be disabled. It's going to go boom and it's going to be all over. Everybody else on the planet is going to have a period of time, five, three, five, 10, 20, 30 years maybe, where they've lost something through age, because all, not all disability is age-related. It's obviously, it, it can be from birth. I mean, congenital disabilities and are conge- a disability caused by a car crash when you're 21. That can be, these things can happen to you. Uh, so it, people need to be very aware. And it's a bit like, well, death and taxes, it's going to happen. But I would say death, taxes, and disability. Uh, that these are the things that are going to happen. That's, um, I remember that from when well, we interviewed Sally Phillips and one of the things she said that I'd never thought about was that a lot of people don't take any notice when they see it on their Twitter feed or when people are campaigning for disability issues. And she was just like, people forget that, as you say, there is going to be a period in your time where, period in your life, sorry, for whatever reason, where you will need access to some sort of support services. Yeah. That they're currently being slashed away at or yeah. not being funded or initiatives like yours aren't being picked up on. Yeah. Well, this is, this is where Sally, Sally does brilliant stuff because yeah. Sally's in a position where we all know Sally from, well, from my age group is drop the dead donkey and all the mo- amazing things she's done, but she's got a, a son, I believe son, I think it's a son or a daughter with Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I met Sally at the national disability awards or national diversity awards last year when I, was in the final, didn't win. I was in the final. I'm in the final <laughs> again, but I might win this. Day. Who knows? Anyway, I met Sally, but she's in a position where she can use people's awareness of her to actually do this. But sadly, it's when it either happens to us 
or a member of our family. And the other one is when it happens to uh, somebody that we know online TV, like Doddy Weir from Scottish Rugby. Uh, he, he is just like, he's done amazing, amazing things because everybody knew him and because he went from being national Scottish rugby player to being somebody who couldn't actually do as much as he needed to do anymore. And, and we watched his decline and that really got us. I mean, I'm wearing the rugby top here, evolution, but it can work both ways. But I totally, I mean, this is a big picture stuff. We need to have an awareness. But and I understand why people don't have an awareness because it's not affecting them yet. But the job for us is to try and build that awareness before it happens. Yeah, exactly. I think... In, and also just making people realize that even even without the age stuff like you don't you don't know if your kids or your nieces or nephews or your grandkids will ever need support and things like that and it's just making people realize that it's not you, just because you don't need it now mm-hmm. or no one you know needs it doesn't mean there's people out there who really rely on it and it would make their lives a million times easier if they had these sorts yeah. of accessibility but, things but it would if we all thought about the things that could happen to us and we gave that all of our thought we wouldn't have any space in our brains for the other things that we're doing and and that's the problem that you were chatting about there a second ago jack is that you kind of think about the things that are happening to you not other people because you've only got a certain amount of space if we were all thinking about the amazon rainforest every single day we wouldn't have space to be thinking about i don't know what might be happening in polynesia or something like that or or famine in in Zimbabwe or whatever it might be and you can only fill a certain amount of time and space and I think advocates like ourselves we need to take that into consideration we can't just be angry that somebody hasn't thought about us or the people we care about we have to we have to be aware that it takes more than us telling somebody they really need to think about it in order for them to think about it and I think that's a really important thing for us to be a little bit humble and a little bit understanding and i always say um speak with a soft voice and carry a big stick or the whole carrot stick thing but i just say speak with a soft voice but make sure that stick you carry carry is shaped like a carrot (laughs) so you can you can hit them with a carrot but you can also offer it to them at some point Uh, that's the way i like to see it i guess as well in terms of the form of activism you're presenting um because i guess our mine and jack's activism comes through mostly through this podcast and the allowing people to come on and talk and just seeing where it goes but i guess you're coming at it from a point of we this is the solution it's really simple in terms of this uh, button pressing one for example yeah you're saying to people this is this would make a world of difference and it's very simple it's quite unlikely you'd meet people who at least openly would say i would hate that to have happened it's yeah. there might be people who say that's going to be difficult to do that there's going to be these hurdles and you can say well actually it's not, or we've looked into that. There's this and this and this, but overall, you are you're presenting. I, I quite like the idea that there's you're going to struggle to meet anyone in the world who's not sort of evil who would say, "I don't want that to be in the world." It's quite um, quite a practical solution, I guess. There needs be to be quite a dick to be like, no, <laughs> no, but but there needs to be another step. And I learned this in business because it's one thing going, "Yeah, that's a really good idea." It's another thing actually doing it. Now, we have to all understand that we live in a capitalist Western society. In fact, the whole world's kind of capitalist. And we need to find a new way of delivering capitalism. 
Now, some people would say the best way of, is to get rid of capitalism, go towards communism or socialism or whatever it might be. And I just think we need to re-evolve. We need to evolve capitalism into something better. Now, that means understanding why capitalism exists. So if you say, here's a great idea, somebody will say, how much does it cost? Who pays for it? How do we maintain it? Where's its sustainability? Now, if, if you're trying to do anything and you don't have answers to those questions, all you are going to be doing is banging your head against a brick wall, but getting upset because you go, but, but this is a great idea. Why wouldn't you buy it? I know it's only a million pounds per person, but for God's sake, it's the right thing to do because it's, we're humans, damn it. And then you get all in, emotional and upset. And that's people with emotional intelligence, they'll go down that route. But you have to have commercial intelligence. And that's what we did. We found a way of making it so that we could argue why this was impossible not to take. And that's because you're going to make money out of it. You're going to change the world. We're making money. The investors are going to put money into this stuff and they're going to make serious money out of it. And if they're going to be given a choice between making money out of oil and bullets and blood diamonds and, and even just making out of whatever, something negative, plastic, whatever. If you say you can make 100% of your money back on this or you can make 100% of your money back on this, which has a social good to it, you're going to go for the social good. And you're definitely going to go for the social good if you can make an extra 1% on the social good one. So I addressed that really early on. And I found business models that actually promoted the evolutionary capitalism. And that's, that's, where I, that's where I start from. That's where I start from. So when people talk to me about the products that I, I create, I also have a really great argument for why they should do it financially. And that is the big difference. That's the big difference. Not the, it's the right thing to do, the corporate social responsibility stuff. It's a, if you don't do it and, and somebody else does it and they start making money, you're going to lose money. Or it can be do it and you make money. And that was welcome. And we'll, we'll talk about welcome in a second. But Button has this, if you put this in more people, and these are the arguments, if you put something in that means somebody can cross a road, you're going to mean that they get out of the house more, which means that their health improves because they're getting from A to B. They're socially, they're going to improve. Uh, commercially, they're going to go and spend their money. Yes, they can do it on Amazon, but if you do it on Amazon at home, you're not getting out and getting fitness. So you're actually helping society. And that's quite a, you could look at that as being, it's quite subtle. But if you then look at how much it costs when one person dies on the road, it's something like 1.5 million pounds if somebody dies in the amount of study they have to do in why it happened, what happened, how it happened, how do we fix it, how do we change it, what do we do in order. And that's still a bit subtle, but it still it started me on that argument of saying, why is it important you look at how, the, what you're solving and how you're solving it and who you're solving it for. Great to solve it for the disabled person, but you need to solve it for the society that's actually providing the service as well. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. It will not work. It will not last and it will disappear. Uh, and we can't avoid that or we can't, we, we have to avoid that. Otherwise, we can't improve. No, that's really, um, I'd not thought about it from the sort of, all of the, because we had loads of people on with lots of really cool, interesting ideas and stuff. And we've never had the, um, the point made about how you have to make it viable, not just for the disabled person, but also for the yeah. system that we live in. But actually, when you think about it, it makes... That's so frustrating. Uh, they all need to be... Really honest. It's quite weird, because just before this podcast again, like, <laughs> as, as I study politics, um, I was just I jokingly like, read a quote from Marx to Jack being like, let's see if I can slip this in, because we... 
and then you've just I just can't believe that because we were we were just joking about Marx just before this started and that seems really odd that the like all of this uh, well you brought it out on me what can I say yeah. <laughs> so some way we just managed to we've, we fixed it the, the thing is that right now what we do is we go as a country as a people we say this isn't working um how can I possibly say something about it and then the charities will then contact and say sign this petition and we'll take that petition to the government and 10,000 signatures, 100,000 signatures, whatever it might be. This happened with food shopping and, and masks and all this kind of stuff. And then it goes to the government. And the government, they're not guys that sit there coming up with solutions. They sit there going, yeah, I agree. We need to say that that's important. Then you need businesses to come up with a solution. The charity won't come up with a solution. They don't get people into the charity who are solution finders. They, they have people in the charity that get their way around the problem as it is just now. They don't try and find ways to remove the problem. And my brain as a mobility instructor wasn't just how do I circumnavigate the problem? It's how do I stop the problem from being put in front of the person in the first place? And that's it. We have to get out of this cycle of complaint and expecting somebody else to fix it. I'm a practitioner, 18 years, uh, social practitioner, mobility instructor, 18 years of market research, 18 years of seeing problems, 18 years of going, that's not working. And unless I was able to transfer that into a solution, Nothing was going to change apart from I was going to get close to my retirement and go, thank God I'm out of that because I wasn't able to fix anything. All I ever did was just circumnavigate problems. I think just um, from what you've said, I think Jack will agree. We, we used to do this podcast with a man called Adam. <laughs> and he's yeah. recently um, started his own sort of uh, companies. Uh, I, I can't remember what the word is. Um, uh, social. It's not a social enterprise. It's a social business, possibly. Yeah. Business, right? Okay. But it's um, but he's got quite a similar um view yeah. and the way he talks about it quite a lot. Is that he was working <laughs> in these areas for a while and noticing similar problems because he used to work for um a number of places and then the place where me and Jack met him and he would throughout there's sort of in terms of um, training for staff for um, <laughs> people who need support staff and he just sort of saw these issues and. There is that there is that side of it that I guess we don't necessarily think about too much from our podcast point of view, but that you have to make things you have to find ways for things to work within the current system because as sad as it is, the current system doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. So it's, no, I, yeah, that's what we've got to change. That's what we so we we've done it all through history. We've changed the system. We changed it with trains. We changed it with well, we changed it with saddles. We changed it with trains. We changed it with cars. We changed it with planes. We changed it with mobile phones. We changed it with penicillin. We changed it with computers. We changed it every now and again. We changed the system. If you say I just have to work within the system, it means that you never evolve what the system can deliver. And I believe every now and again you have opportunities to change the system. It is not easy. It's yeah. uh, Henry Ford said i believe he might not have said it but it's still too good a quote to not say if i'd asked them what they would have wanted they would have said faster horses yeah yeah and that is saying don't change the system just have faster horses and of course horses only go a certain speed and then cars came along and yeah for the first 20 years cars couldn't match horses and everybody who was a who had horses just laughed at cars they went dirty smelly expensive breakdown just a stupid and then, of course, cars are now doing whatever. And if we hadn't had cars or if we hadn't had flight and cars and things like that, we wouldn't be on the moon. Um, and I know that's not 1960s, but think of the things that we've done since because we've, we've been able to innovate and create new stuff. So I don't believe 
that so I know you said it there and I, t I know why you said it Tom but I don't believe it and I, if I believed it I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing and you mentioned customer service okay and, and I know you just mentioned it it's tiny and I know that you know about welcome welcome is about how you deliver customer service training to staff and how you provide better customer service uh, to disabled folk okay now currently what we do is we train staff and then hope that they remember what we've trained them before the person walks through the door and the only innovation we've had in that area since the dawn of time is a lanyard, which is a physical sunflower lanyard where you're wearing a neck, which says this person has a hidden condition. Well, 75% of the people in the UK, or in fact, all disabled people have hidden conditions. 75% of disabled people in the UK is 9,520,000 people or something. Now, when you see somebody with a sunflower lanyard, and I think they're great, but when you see somebody and you assume something about them, you're assuming from a spectrum of dyslexia to stammering to acquired brain injury to autism to schizophrenia. You're assuming stuff and then you end up just going, that person's got something wrong with them. And you just go, Argh! and staff training alone, how in God's name, when we look at, and so you go back 30 years, the only, we, the only disabled people out there were wheelchair users, guide dog owners, and people with a hearing impairment, with a hearing trumpet, or God knows what it was. Well, the world's very different now. We have awareness of disability like we've never had before, but we don't have any solution for it. Now, this is so simple, and it is going back to exactly what you said about changing the system. We have mobile phones that if you order a taxi and your taxi's three minutes from your house, you will get an automatic message to say the taxi's three minutes away. I swapped that around. I turned it around so that I train the staff member before the person arrives at the building. So I use that time that that geofence allows to let the staff member know who's coming through the door in five minutes and how best to help them. So I train the staff member before the person walks through the door. Lo and behold, I'm the first person in the world or the first company in the world to ever do proximity aware staff training for disability. But we cover, we're pan-disability, we cover every disability. And this is the beauty of it. Well, there's plenty of beauty around it, but it's led by the disabled person. Staff training is, this is what you do to a disabled person when you see them. Welcome, which is the name of the app, welcome with a massive M, e. or M and E, which is welcome me when you read it, but it's actually welcome. What welcome does is it puts the disabled person in charge of the relationship. So you can say what you want. I want to withdraw money. I want to meet Mike. I want to have a flat white and a Danish pastry. I want a beer. I want to put a bet on the 350 at Chepstow. Um, whatever it might be. Here's my shopping list. When I arrive, make sure you do this, this, and this, and this. Now, I get five minutes from a building, one of the buildings that's installed welcome, um, and I'll come back to that in a second. But, and a message goes to the customer service team to say, this is who I am as your customer. I want to spend my money in your shop, and this is how to get my money out of me. If I walk in that shop and you don't get my money out of me, I'm going somewhere else. And I've got 275 billion pounds to spend. Yeah, not personally, but of the 13 million disabled people in the UK, that's my spending power. Three billion is spent on retail, for God's sake. This is a lot of money to be missing out on. Scope did this study where 75% of disabled people have had poor customer service. So we'll go back to what I said about the business just for a second. The business pays for this system. The disabled person gets it for free. The business pays a monthly subscription just to be on this platform. Yeah. Um, so the business model changes. The disabled person is no longer taxed for being disabled. The business pays £30 a month, which they make back on one, back, one customer, pretty much. One customer, um, depending on the business, obviously an airport pays a little bit more, stadium pays a bit more. Charities get it for £1 a month. Um, but 
we are now in a situation where we've turned the model around. So the disabled person is in charge. They get to go and shop somewhere where they want to shop. They spend money where they want to met, spend money. They're met by somebody who feels comfortable meeting them, um, who enjoys their job in customer service more and gets goosebumps like I have right now at the idea that they're going to interact with somebody in a way that makes them feel good about what they've chosen as their career. And the business makes money from the person coming through the door and repeatedly coming through the door. And the investor in my company makes money because my company is suddenly worldwide. Uh, that's a win, 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 win. And the public see best practice wins. So that's six wins. There's nobody losing in that business model. I think that's really interesting as well, the, um, <laughs> the bit about, because obviously it's great for the disabled person, it's great for the company, but actually individual staff who aren't necessarily always kind of at the forefront of the customer or the business's models of best practice. It's just, it's, the customer needs to have a good time, the business needs the money, the staff is, in a lot of these retail shops will be expendable. Yeah, well, it's eight Zero hours contract or whatever it is. And that actually, I've got friends and, and people I know who have, have mentioned that before. It's sort of the, the, the training you get is so useless in actual day-to-day -day practice. And I think that's really, um, it yeah. just enables more comfortable interaction for members of the public that they can then take elsewhere as well. If you've worked a shop front and met all these people and learned how to interact with, I know specifically as individuals, but overall it's going to make you feel more comfortable interacting with all sorts of people out and about in your daily life, which is something we talk about quite a lot in this podcast is that yeah. if you don't, if you're not in the sort of disability kind of part of society yeah. in the UK, you don't know disabled people or you don't have siblings or family members or um, you don't work with disabled people, you end up sort of never ever really interacting with disabled people in a meaningful way because you'll never ever give them the chance because your school is, schools are mostly segregated or the kids that are at state at mainstream school, for lack of a better word, tend to have a sort of member of staff with them, or aren't really in, aren't really allowed to be kids like the rest of the kids because there's too much sort of start. Rightfully, it's it, that's a that's a different debate. But and just the point that you end up not really interacting with disabled people, yeah. and disabled people don't get to interact with non-disabled people. So this is actually enabling. This is giving a training in a different way. Well, yeah. how cool if you yeah. know that somebody has a stammer before they turn up at your coffee shop and you know before they walk through the door they want a flat white and they want a Danish yeah. pastry uh, and you know that they want to order it they've said I'm, I'm really desperately wanting to practice because I've been putting some techniques at the practice and when I come in today I know that you know what I want but I don't need you to be finishing my well so the app itself gives five top tips that have been given to us by stammer.org.uk as one of the charities that we promote so they give us five top tips and one is take time the other one is don't finish this. Don't, don't put the person under pressure. Don't try and finish their sentences for them. Um, don't rush them. Um, if you've got the potential to take them somewhere where it's a little bit quieter, then the person gets a chance to practice. You already know what they're wanting and you just go, don't worry. It's okay. I'm with you. Yeah. And I've, when I've met staff members who've been able to do the right thing and I've seen how buzzy they feel about delivering the right service you just go, why wouldn't you want that every day? We all know it, but why would you yeah, not want no, it? Exactly. I think that that's what I like. That even if it's just that you get the five top tips for stammering, you work one shift at the place. There's a trial shift. It doesn't go well, but you use this, you get the five. So that's something you can take to, if your next job doesn't use yes. your, yes. your, doesn't, hasn't signed up to welcome yet. 
sure it will at some point um hasn't signed up yet you can still use that at your next job and you're still providing it that just to me that's that's amazing i think that's a great part it's a great point you raise there tom because people say to me but if you haven't got the app then what if you don't have an app what if you don't use your phone well if you've trained somebody, let's just say somebody comes into a shop and they have a guide dog and the person goes, introduce, it says on the app, it says in uh, the, the retailer side of the app, it says, introduce yourself. Perfect sense. Don't touch the person's guide dog, but feel free to compliment the person on how good it looks. Um, make sure that you offer your, if you're giving sight a guide, make sure that you offer your arm rather than take their arm. Okay, well, and that person was using an app. They were using welcome. But the next guide dog owner or visually impaired person comes in and you put that information into practice, yeah. even whether they're using the app or not, because every single person who comes in uh, reiterates the staff training that you would get two years before. So yeah. the disabled person becomes the trainer just by walking through the door, not actually having to train because <laughs> that's pointless. And of course, when a staff member changes, disabled people say this all the time, it really frustrates me. I got great customer service in Tesco the other day. They're brilliant. The next day they go in, they meet somebody different. Or and they get bad customer service, but because they said it was great, it means that Tesco's great. It wasn't they just yeah. had a good. We need to make sure it's consistent. Yeah. I don't want brilliant and terrible. I want all either all brilliant would be great. That's that's what <laughs> not I mean. all terrible though. <laughs> it would be consistently terrible. Well, the truth is, that if it was terrible every time, you at least wouldn't go in there going. I wonder what it's going to be like. You go, I know I have to deal with this. What we want in the world is consistency. If it's all terrible, you go, right, I can make a choice. If you go, it was brilliant last week and go in and it's terrible. You just, your heart is taking a beat in every single time. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we can make everybody good yeah. and aim for improving on that, uh, we can do that. And proximity aware staff training is the way forward. One day people will say, I can't believe you used to guess what somebody wanted before they walked through the door. Yeah. Or, or you had to ask them what they wanted. In the future, they'll say, yeah, I know what they wanted, and I could upsell it. Like when they came through the door, Microsoft, the chat from Microsoft was saying to me the other day, so if they had this at Curry's, and you knew in Curry's, and you were serving in Curry's, and you knew you had a set of headphones that were brilliant for people with autism, because Microsoft had bought them out, and they were brilliant with people with autism, and you knew your customer was coming in um, who wanted to, and they had said they were coming in and they wanted to upgrade their mobile phone, or they wanted to upgrade their PC, or they wanted to buy a washing machine. You could then say when they came in, hey, listen, I've got this amazing bit of kit that's come in. I can show it to you. You don't have to buy it today, but you know that we're going to be here. Next time you come in, we'll give you a chance to buy that. Uh, You can upsell. So commercially, they benefit because you're selling something to somebody that you know is going to want it. Yeah, no, that's, I mean... I love this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Just in terms of also just knowing what someone wants before they come in. And it just, I can, I'm just thinking in terms of the, if I was trying to buy a new laptop or, or if if any of us are trying to buy a new laptop, we could go in and we can speak to the person from Curry's and we can have a long chat about what sort of laptop we want and that's great for us but I mean if you even if you're just you you struggle quite a bit with social interaction for whatever reason if you're able to sort of say before you get there I want a laptop I'm not sure which one exactly would love to look at four or five laptops before that just seems it's in some ways it's really simple but in other ways that what it opens up is just so much oh it's massive and we're in every sector so we launched in 2018 with welcome button has been going a little bit longer but when we launched with welcome we were just educating we we were trying to explain to people this was possible and they were going yeah but 
disabled people don't come into my shop. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so now we are launched, when we launched it, um, it was slow, but we're now launched with Royal Bank of Scotland, NatWest, Northlink Ferries, Edinburgh Airport, Scottish Parliament, Dundee Council, Stirling Council, Visit Scotland, House of Fraser, Edinburgh Printmakers, Guide Dogs to the Blind, RNIB, uh, Headway Ireland. Um, we've got an optometrist in Durham. We're just about to launch with an optometrist this afternoon in Newbury. Um, Irish Rail in Dublin. Um, uh, I mean, seriously, it's gone crazy. Uh, Deloitte, Diageo, office buildings as well. Mm. Uh, and they're all saying we can provide services to people. And it's the same app that works every single place. So it's totally cross-sector. Oh, we're just about to launch with two hospitals. Imagine turning up at a health centre and when the person turns around and says, you turn up and you get to the counter and the person says, oh, you can just fill your stuff in on a, a tablet. And the blind person goes, yeah, but where's the tablet? Oh, it's, it's saying it's not got voiceover on it. Well, then you have to ask for all those things. But what if you knew that in advance yeah. in reception? So health centers, podiatrists, physiotherapists, uh, sports centers. We, we had an opportunity to work with Sport England to put this into fitness centers. And they, they did a study two years ago that said the main barrier to people going into fitness is the transport to and from, which obviously we're looking at and doing stuff with, but it's the first point of contact on arrival. So you could go into David Lloyd Fitness Center and the person on reception already knows you have acquired brain injury and knows that you're meeting Mike, who is your personal trainer, but you've no idea where Mike is. So they could even call them five minutes from the building so that Mike's there in reception when you arrive. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing I really love the... The thing I really love about uh, uh, the kind of concept of it all is the, um, how, you know, it really helps conserve as well, like the disabled people's like dignity. Because I can think of so many times where I've seen like someone in a wheelchair, for example, show up to a shop or a cafe or something like that. And it's a step to get in. The place has a ramp. But it's always like this long, oh, I've got to go and find the ramp. And the person with disability is just left sat outside for like five minutes. And then there's like an awkward 10 minutes when they're trying to actually figure out how do you unfold this thing? And it's something you see all the time. And, you know, the, the poor uh, person with disability is just sat there like, well, what yeah. am I supposed to be doing right now? What's going on in my day? Um, and that's what I really love about it. How many times has a hearing impaired person turned up who had a hearing aid who needed the hearing loop turned on? Mm. And they turn up and they say to the person at reception or the shop, they say, could you turn the hearing loop on? And the person goes, oh, nobody's never asked that. I've no idea where it is. How does it work? And you go, well, what if they knew the day before or two hours before that the hearing loop needed to be turned on? That buys them the time to do it. And then, well, people are always saying to me, yeah, but is this going to make us money? You go, well, you're going to be more efficient. Your staff are going to stay longer. Um, now you might not make a serious amount of money to start with, but cause we've got 3000 users of the app right now. Um, but if you've got a hundred thousand users of the app and they're all being filtered to your shop or your service, yes, you're going to make money. But in NHS, for instance, or private healthcare, it's about efficiency and it's about customer care. And it's about what the customer thinks of the service you deliver. So everybody's got different um, KPIs. I mean, that's the important thing is you realize that everybody wants different things out of it and you just have to find out what those different things are. No, it's really, um, I, just, I can't believe how sort of unexpected, because I'd, I'd looked at the website before the podcast, but we kind of tend to like to 
unpack things as they go. And I think the minimal research. That's our motto. Inviting me on was the best thing you ever did. I just truly, I really love talking to you because you oh. are open to it. In terms of just the, the from I guess the the take of you've said that there's quite a few places. Well, I can't remember exactly how many, but you listed quite a few big chains actually when you were yeah um, running them off. Is it when sort of House of Fraser takes it on? Do they take it on nationally? Or did they yeah. take it on in sort of some well, places and not others? Or This is our biggest problem, I think, or the biggest challenge we have is uh, there are, as I say, 13 million disabled people. Probably half of that will actually be mobile because they're a lot of them a bit elderly in uh, old people's homes and things like this, sheltered housing. But it's getting people to know we exist mm-hmm. because this is people power. Within Welcome, you can say where you want it next. So a, a blind chap, Ken, walks into House of Fraser with his long cane. Uh, as he said to me, he had money in his pocket and he wanted to spend money. He knew what he wanted, but nobody came to speak to him. So five minutes later, he just walked out. So he didn't spend his money. But then he went into the app and he requested that House of Fraser install it. So one of our team contacted House of Fraser and thankfully met somebody, um, Julian, within House of Fraser who went, bloody hell, that's a brilliant idea. We need that. And they installed it in one. But what we found is that these organizations are so big. If you just go through one route, it becomes a localized mm. thing. And the, the companies are so big. If you can imagine a super tanker, the guy who's handling the rope, the rope, whatever it's called, at the very front of the super tanker, the chain, the anchor, he knows exactly what he's doing. But the guy at the other end hasn't got a clue he even exists. And the guy, the captain, knows that somebody's out there and doing it, but they haven't got a clue. And these big companies don't know. So Royal Bank of Scotland are brilliant. And I really like working with them. But I guarantee you 99.9999% of the people at Royal Bank of Scotland don't know we exist. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't know we exist, how can they tell their customers about it? But the people who do know it exist absolutely love it. We're in 15 RBSs and four NatWests in London. The four NatWests in London have not had one visitor because there aren't disabled people going... I know about this. And the disabled people yeah. that do know about it aren't shouting about it because they haven't seen it work because, and they're going, but it's not close to me yet. And you go, guys, empowerment, nothing about us without us means something. It means that you have to shake off that waiting for things to be done for you. We've done something that you can use. You need to engage with it to actually get it used. You cannot just say nothing about us without us. And you can't just say it's not near me yet. Therefore I'm not using it. We've told you if you want it, you request it, it will come. But we want to have a feature to request. This would be something I'd like. Yeah. Yeah. This is about empowerment. You can't say we want to be empowered, but then wait for things to happen to you. This is if, if I have one criticism, it's that, and it's not about disabled people. It's about humans. We wait for other people to fix our problems. We don't necessarily go out there and fix them themselves. Now, I'm not saying that everybody can do what I did and go out and fix the problem. It took 18 years of research or just observing problems and then having a brain that wanted to fix them. Not everybody's in that position to do that. Um, But when you see a solution, you have to engage with it. You can't just go, no, no, it's not for me. If you don't engage with it, I mean, I guarantee you, everybody who sees the system, and I've just told you about it, if you saw the system working, like I sh- uh, Sophie Morgan, um, who you may have interviewed, but you should because she's absolutely brilliant. Sophie Morgan, um, who's done a loads of TV and is just an amazing advocate. She, for two years, she was like, I love what you're doing, Gavin. It's brilliant. And then back in February, January, I actually did a demo to her online. And she went, wow. 
<laughs> then she was putting me in touch with the guys at Tesco's and Sainsbury's and she was going, this is amazing. This is going to totally change how customer service is delivered. But she had to engage with it. Yeah. Disabled people are people and they need help to engage with stuff. When I heard about Uber and Airbnb, it took me a while to even think about using it. Uh, and then I started using it all the time. Do you think, um, just in terms of the potential for growth and, and usability, do you think, is it a, are you able to request places if you're, do you have to be signed up as a disabled person to request places? So could a carer who works with sort of 10 different disabled people and constantly run, they speak of or they run into similar issues in the same shops, could they request it for them or does it have to be? No, 100%. Anybody can request it. The truth is that when if I, if I was walking down the street and I saw a march on the street and that, and I couldn't tell what the people were campaigning for or marching for because of the makeup of the people in the march, I'd go, well, look, I can see a black guy. I can see a lady in a hijab. I can see somebody in a wheelchair. I can see a middle-aged white guy. What the hell is he doing there? Um, I can see all these people. I haven't got a clue what they're actually shouting for. And then you get close and you realize they're all shouting for somebody else's needs. Well, that's what needs to happen. So the carer can say, look, every time I go in a shop, and I'm with George, George's in his wheelchair and doesn't have a cognitive ability to talk, but can understand stuff, but just finds it really hard to communicate. Well, when I go to a shop, I don't want somebody talking to me. Yeah. I want them talking to George. So I'm going to set this up so that they know it's George that they should be talking to. Um, so yeah, anybody can request. Um, now, Ikea is a great example. We've had 13 requests for Ikea. And we approached Ikea and they said, um, well, the people at the local level, it never got to the top guys. If it went to the CEO, it'd be like, yeah, this is a no brainer. But it never gets to that person. However, I guarantee you, if 15,000 people went on social media and said, Ikea, you need to install this, it's going to cost you 30 pounds a month and you're going to make 500 pounds a month by having it, if not more, they would do it. But that's, if we go back to what I said about us separating, the charities separate people, we all shout for things that are useful to us. Well, this is pan disability. We've got schizophrenia on here. We've got cerebral palsy on there. We've got acquired brain injury. We've got ataxia. We've got uh, visual impairment with guide dog or visual impairment without guide dog. We've got hearing impairment. We've got deaf. We've got, um, we've got, we've had stammering the other day. We're adding more all the time. We want to add fibromyalgia. The challenge we have is getting the charities to give us the information. Because the charities are so focused on what they do, they don't see pan-disability solutions as being maybe the way forward. My word, there's so much in here. If you guys are trying to put subtitles on this, I do apologize. <laughs> they are nightmare. Yeah. Um, I'm just, yeah, so do you, you go to the charity and say, we want to add X disability to our app. Can you give us sort of the top tips for... Yeah, that would, I'm just. Yeah, no, you're right. Exactly right. So we ask for an overview of a condition, and this is very generalised, but it's what you would do if you were doing staff training. Okay, we know everybody has specific needs, but we'll come to that in a second. So we say we say to the charity, let's say we go to Stammer. I, I contacted Stammer.org. Okay, he was the largest charity in the UK for stammering, but that had come from me being on Twitter and somebody with a stammer saying, "Does your stuff work for people with a stammer?" And I was like, I then learned quite a lot from this guy about stammering. And then I contacted stammer.org and I said, guys, we would like to start promoting uh, stammering as a, a challenge for somebody and so we could help them. We said, what we want from you is one paragraph, short paragraph on an overview of stammering. We also want five top tips on how you should interact with anybody who has a stammer. And we also want three URL links to your charity. 
So we want your main charity website. We want uh, an explanation video about your particular condition or this person's condition or anybody's condition that you represent. And we also want maybe a fundraising page or whatever it is that you're doing, your campaigning page. So we want three URL links. We deliver all that for free. Um, so they get overview, top tips, and three URL links. Now, God bless them. When I came up with the idea and I approached charities, I wasn't getting anywhere. That they, seems so bizarre, though, because it seems like such an easy thing to do that you'd hope that those charities would just have on hand anyway that they could literally just send out to you. Well, I'm talking to my guy, mind a little bit. <laughs> I'm talking to the guy in the bow who does the anchor. Yeah. Uh, and he then goes, oh, I'm not going to go and bother somebody in senior management with this issue even if it's a good idea or they're such a small company, why would that matter? Um, but the truth is now, I mean, we've just started this fantastic relationship with Scottish autism um, and Scottish autism are like, this is amazing. Everybody should have this. We want this in shopping centers. We want this in banks. So Scottish autism then start pushing for it. But uh, um, Headway Ireland, the guys absolutely loved it. We've got campaigners in Ireland who are like, yeah, everywhere needs to know about acquired brain injury and things like this. Uh, so we're, more and more charities are actually contacting us now. But the truth is that people won't start engaging with you until you're successful. Yeah. And there's a reason for that is because if you engage with everybody, you think about out of a hundred businesses, how many are going to be there after five years? This company has been around since 2011. We're not going anywhere. We're only going to get bigger. And sooner or later people go, I need to get on board with those guys. It's the same with any company. That is the nature of capitalism. You have to prove yourself before you make it. Uh, we live in a world where there's a lot of fake it before you make it. Uh, and sometimes when you look at those guys and they sell it beautifully to you, uh, crowdfunding is one of the ways that this is sort of um, came out. It's like, this is what we're going to make if we can get your 750,000. Well, we've spent a long time making a product that works, and now we're going to tell people about it and make sure we do talk to you guys and people like that and, and say, look, it's out there. Just use it. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll be able to link it and everything and share the... Um app of course um ourselves and we have a fair few listeners i, I believe I, I never check our listening one just one listener yeah, <laughs> hey, uh, we've always said if we had one we've always said like if we've had one person only have one person listen but it did change the way they think well one person we tells two people two people tell four yeah. four people are eight and 16 and, and onwards and then you've changed the world with that uh, and we've we started out with nobody apart from myself thinking about it we've now well we're just about to have five new members of staff um, it's not, it's not a big team. It's a small team, but there's a, there's a group on Facebook that was set up by a lady called Kim and it's called welcome app chat, welcome app chat. And the, there's about 170 members now. And the beautiful thing about welcome app chat, I didn't start it. It started by them. All the people on welcome app chat are pan disability mm. and they're all talking to each other and learning about each other's conditions and learning what they need to do in order to communicate. And they're spreading across the country now and they're all talking about it. There's a couple in Southampton the other day, um, a chap in Southampton who found out there was somebody else on welcome app chat who was also in Southampton. They met up for a coffee and decided they were going to approach the local shopping center and say, you should have welcome. Mm. And that, I mean, that's, oh, that's, you're cutting that's just it. great. And lots of, like, I mean, even just the social side of that enabling people to meet and talk, especially often in cases where it can be difficult to meet people. That's, I mean, that just as a little, um, yeah. just the fact that there's a spin off Facebook yeah. is just great. I mean, that, that makes me really, uh, makes me really happy that that's really that's cool. yeah. isn't it? It, it, Especially over the panda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, especially over lockdown where it's been, um, 
Well, yeah, on lockdown, the guys from Welcome Out Chat started up Beatboxers Quiz Night. So every Friday night at seven o'clock on Beatboxers, they all get together and have a quiz. But every week, everybody comes up with five questions to ask everybody else under a certain subject. Yeah. And they all go on and they're all, each of these guys have all got different disabilities. I go on as well. I, I keep coming last because they're all quieter than me. Uh, and it's just this amazing community of people who are all understanding each other and all saying, right, we need to get out there and tell everybody else about it because ultimately nothing about us without us and empowerment and it has to come from us. Yeah. And it, Gavin and the company Neatbox have given us a tool that I can fade away into the background and they can just use this tool. Tell us how to fix it. Tell us how to improve it. Tell us what you want. Tell us how to change it. We'll do that and make it better. And then I can disappear off and it can just be disabled people going, yeah, I use this amazing tool that changes the world that's free to me. Uh, and yet I can get better services because of it. And now I've got a community. In fact, um, a group just contacted me the other day, um, engaged engagement no I'll, I'll, I'll have to be it'll be down here or somewhere <laughs> they're amazing 900 members in Lothians and their their group just goes out and meets at different venues and I was like oh this is fantastic you can go and meet your friends at these particular venues using welcome uh, and have better customer service when you turn up instead of how do I get in how do I get to the seat is the person going to understand how to interact with me all that kind of stuff yeah and just I mean a quick one on something that has come up a couple of times on the podcast and something that I just always makes me so angry, but this could actually really affect that if the um, government get their shit together. <laughs> it's just yeah, going with the swear word. <laughs> when you read about sort of um, like the, the means testing for benefits and things like that, and people having to go to these places, and there's lots of stories of people having their benefits cut because they couldn't get into the, the place. It would be a wheel, they'd be in a wheelchair, they'd be going to a benefits test um, means testing. And uh, they wouldn't, it wouldn't have an access ramp and then they wouldn't be able to get into the meeting. There'd be no effort to actually get them in and then they would have their benefits cut because they hadn't attended the meeting, even though they couldn't and things like that. And just as a really practical solution to the government being bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so look, so the, you, can, you can say that they're bastards. I know people who work in job centres and they, they're trying to do the right thing. You can say the government is a bastard and you can, you can do that. And, and I'm quite happy to agree with that in so many ways. But if that's the end of the conversation, we never progress. So what I did was I looked at the DWP and I said, right, what are the challenges? Why does somebody go into the DWP with a long cane and they say, I need, uh, I'm blind. And the person says, how did you get here? Which was a story I read. And you go, I'm angry. Anger, anger, anger. Right. So why did that happen? So Department of Work and Pensions. Uh, G4S have a contract with DWP to do security on job centers. So the person on the door, even though they're wearing a job center jacket, is probably a G4S security guard. Now, there's a very good chance that security guard is ex-forces, ex-police, prison warden, bouncer, somebody who's been taken on board because job centers can be quite rough places sometimes because people, you're talking... Uh, low-income people maybe got lots of problems or whatever it might be not to excuse some people being i nearly swore i nearly, nearly swore he did a wanker sign everyone i was so close oh man my mum might watch this i'm gonna be in trouble anyway. uh, sorry, it's audio so don't worry <laughs> you won't see it you just know that you did it you won't have to actually see it the guy at um or lassie who's lassie girl who's at the door of dwp um 
knows who's the guy that's coming to the door has Parkinson's. So instead of thinking that person's drunk, they think that's Michael. Michael has, the, has, has Parkinson's. I'm going to greet him with a smile. Michael, come on in, my friend. Can you, can I, would you like to take my arm? I can help you through it. Hey, listen, we've got some sanitizer here, hand sanitizer, it's available. The person at the counter already knows Michael. They've already got his information in front of them. They know exactly how to interact. They know he has Parkinson's. They've even had a chance to look up what Parkinson's is. So there are 750 Department of Work and Pensions job centers, and, and I think a fraction of them or so, it's about 50, I don't know, who do the PIP stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and that's ran by, or at least the tech of that is run by Atos. Now, Atos um, are a company that everybody hates because of PIP, but they're delivering a service and they're delivering it badly in some ways and certainly from lots of people's point of view because they don't do it very well in certain people's views. And that is true because they don't deliver it well for those people. But if you help Atos, and I know Neil Milliken, who's head of accessibility Atos, and he is he's dyslexic himself and ADHD, and he's passionate about improving. The guys in Microsoft, passionate about improving. Um, from Jenny Lee Flurry down to the people on the door, they're passionate about improving. We have to find ways to help them improve. So, you, Tom, you raise all the right questions there. How can we get into DWP to say we can help you give better service to disabled people? And God knows now this is the great opportunity, the greatest opportunity we've ever had in this country to get disabled people into work because they can work from home now like they never could before. So yeah, I think be employed. And also, just from my uh, cynical government-hating self, um, also just having that physical record that you told the, the, the building, you told where your test was, that you were mm. on the way, that you were in a wheelchair, that you were five minutes away, that there is no discrepancy there that you didn't turn up if you can't get in. That, I think, for me, that is a world of just one people being absolutely shafted by a sort of afterthought as opposed uh, well in the app um after 24 hours you get a message to say how was your visit yeah and you can then write how good your visit was yeah and that information goes straight to them and there is a record of exactly how well they did and that that's quite a powerful tool for um oh yeah for disabled people is being able to have this record and, and to say i told you what was i told you i was coming and i needed this and and the ramp i needed a ramp and i got there and i was left out in the rain for 25 minutes while you tried to find the ramp and then when i got in you didn't respect x that i told you and all of that you have a real that's really powerful for people who have been mistreated however small or large and i think that that's great as well as giving people the power to say you did mug me you you may you you i don't mug me off you're gonna terrible s- phrase to you. well, what um, if you went mug in- me off you sleep <laughs> it also gives you a chance to say you've given me great customer service exactly well. because that's what's missing we need to make sure that the people who do it well yeah instead of saying yeah but that's the way that's what they should have been doing anyway we need to say well done and we need to use them more than the other ones if you've got a coffee shop that is using a system like this I say like this because we're the only people who do it right now. There will be others because we can't do all 600,000 businesses in the UK. Other yeah. people come into this. We want, we want to do them all, but we'd have to be as big as Google to do that because this doesn't exist in America or Canada or Australia. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the only people in the world doing it. But um, if, if you can give people a pat on the back when they've done it well and they can turn around to a staff member who's done a particularly good job and say, John, you met Fred the other day and he said you were brilliant. Well done, mate. 
freaking superb. In fact, yeah. because you met Fred and John and Mrs. Smith and Doreen, and I know you did a great job with all of them, tick, mate. You've just got, um, we've just gonna, we're going to certificate you for how well you've interacted with people with cerebral palsy. So we're doing, in the future, will be certification of people mm -hmm. as a staff training tool because staff training members can use this to actually train staff without a disabled person coming through the door. Your staff training member to go, right, tomorrow I'm going to come in and you're going to interact with me as if I had. And you won't know what it is until the visit comes through. <gasps> talk about this all day. <laughs> Guys, I, I love it. And you get it, which is brilliant. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been really fascinating. And um, I really hope that it does spread yeah. like COVID. And uh, it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like COVID. Well, um, so I know one of the questions that people will have, they'll be listening to it and going, I can't believe they're just about to sign off without saying what it is. The app yeah. is called Welcome by Neatbox. And it's on Android and it's on iOS. Welcome by Neatbox. And Button, which is the other app, the pedestrian crossing, it's called Button by Neatbox. Yeah. Neatbox is N-E-A-T-E-B-O-X. And neatbox.com. And people can contact us, write to us, contact to me to directly. We're all over social media. Um, and we can change the world, but we do need your listeners to actually go out today, download it. And instead of looking at it and going, there's nowhere near me, so I'll delete it, actually go, right, request venue. I yeah, guarantee yeah, you, if we had 10,000 requests for IKEA, they would install it. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, we, can, we can put the, uh, we'll tweet it. And sometimes it's inconsistent, but sometimes we get a really good Twitter discussion off the back of episodes. And I have a feeling this might be one that has the... <laughs> if anybody can so that'd be great. there for the entire, like, oh, it's a, yeah, it goes on <laughs> for ages. Uh, gentlemen, pleasure. It's been awesome. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. Shit, son. What an interview. What a show. What a man. Gavin. Gavman. <laughs> Gavman Neat. What an app. What an app. Yeah, it sounds really cool, doesn't it? Like, and it seems so obvious as well. That's yeah. another thing. And I guess that's most successful apps you could say. They seem like a real obvious thing to have. Um, and yeah, I really do hope it actually takes off because that could you know, make such a difference. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Gavin, for coming on. Uh, it was really enjoyable to get to talk to you. And yeah, really interesting and definitely learned a lot uh, from our conversation. And some like really obvious kind of accessibility things which I hadn't even kind of thought about before. Like you couldn't really, you couldn't see the pictures he was showing in his book of um, pictures of uh, pedestrian crossings. But some, yeah, so that seems like such an obvious thing which hadn't actually come across my mind before. So. Yeah, really informative uh, little little chat we had. Uh, I wish we, um, it wouldn't have been relevant, but I wanted to talk about the guide dog training because I've heard that when they finish, yeah. um, when the guide dogs graduate, they have a graduation ceremony and they all have to sit there. Yeah, wear little hats. I don't know, but because they're so well trained, they can all like sit together and it's really yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. That, when he did mention that, I was like, oh, can we just talk about that? <laughs> If we'd done it in person, we could have like asked them to bring a load along or something. You're not allowed. Yeah, I'm to sure he's just got a load. He's <laughs> got a load of them. You're not supposed to stroke guide dogs, though, are you? No. So that's one of the top tips that comes on. Welcome by Neatbox, and also yeah. there's button by Neatbox on iOS and Android. 
Yeah. And I guess the point to reiterate, which you would have heard because you've just listened to the hour chat, is just that I guess even if if you open it and there's nothing near you, you can suggest. That's yeah. the that's the key. Because initially I was like, well, you can't blame people if they open it and there's nothing and yeah. they stop using it. But the fact that you can suggest shows that there is there is potential. Yeah, and I feel like most towns and cities have like business like partnerships and council kind of things. So if you have any kind of in with any of those, see if they could bring it up at one of their kind of meetings. Is that the word I'm looking for? I don't know what the word is. But you get like, like lots of businesses come together and to discuss. Yeah. So, you know, if you have any kind of connection with one of those, maybe it's something that's worth doing that. And see like local authorities and all that business too. If they're like promote, in, insisting businesses do it. That'd be cool. Uh, you can follow uh, Gavin's company Meatbox at Meatbox at. on Twitter. And it's neat, N-E-A-T-E. Yes, and B-O-X. Yeah. Or one word. Um, he has a personal Twitter too, but I don't know if he wants us to give it out. Well, if you go on their Twitter, you'll find it quite You'll good. find it. They're you'll find it. Um, we've got a Twitter, Jack, don't we? We We're have. Uh, followers rapidly. At Challenging Pod. You can also email us at challengingbehaviourspodcast at gmail.com. Um, Pod and family. Pod and family, hashtag pod and family. That's a thing that's brought us nothing. <laughs> you look a little bit like um, Mitch from Modern Family, so it kind of works. I don't watch it, so this means nothing to me. Oh, it's just because you have a beard and you're, you're ginger. Oh, I see. We don't all look alike, Tom. Thanks, <laughs> everyone, for listening. Um, I just had a sudden thought as well. When you said, as you heard, I wonder if there's anyone who just listens to the intro and the outro. <laughs> Skips the vague conversation. That'd be good, wouldn't it? No, it really wouldn't. They just—they—they they just, they don't care for anyone else. They just want to hear the, the Jack and not Jack action. Exactly. Yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Please do do all the liking, subscribing, the sharing. And oh, we did mention that it would be really nice to get a bit of a discussion going about this one because yeah, as much as every every podcast we do is um is great and has discussion potential i guess this one's like got this it'd be really nice to see if people could start like getting it out there because it just seems like such yeah. a great thing to get out there i guess is what yeah. i'm saying and as you said there's also the facebook community which the name escapes me but you heard it's it in the app chat i think i've been like i think that was it um we'll probably check that out ourselves as well so uh yeah, yeah. thank you very much yeah, that was great fun and um cheers for listening guys yeah tom say something cool the welcome box app find each not called the welcome box welcome app sorry welcome, welcome app. by neatbox by neatbox on ios or android is very cool i would say and the and button by neatbox you really nailed this one that was... <laughs> bye, bye.